Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Matthias Reinhardt. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts. In this podcast, we will focus on specific and hopefully interesting topics that we as analysts encounter in our daily work. The work we do is mainly focused on the topic areas of cybersecurity, identity and access management, AI, and much more. We do in-depth research, but also advisory work with vendors and end users as clients alike. In each edition, I will have one guest joining me, often a fellow analyst or another interesting partner, and we will have a 15 minutes or so chat around current topics. That's it for the introduction. My guest today is Martin Kuppinger. He is principal advisor at Kuppinger Co. And today we will talk about a very, very current topic. It's cybersecurity for enterprises in the age of working from home. So, Martin, welcome. Welcome, Matthias. A pleasure to talk with you again. We are currently in a situation that many organizations are thrown into the situation that they have to work from home. They're, wherever it is possible, their employees are sitting at their desk and they're working from home with their own PC, with a corporate PC, and cybersecurity is at least an, an afterthought. What do you think organizations should, now that we are a few days in this development, what they should really do at first when it comes to securing their working environment? Yeah, basically it is, specifically in these days, it's always about balancing uh, keeping the business working and mitigating security risks. So this is about finding the right balance here. And there are some things with this changing work environment businesses must do without hindering their people work. So I have five points on my list. The first one is multi-factor authentication. The second is endpoint protection. The third is patch management. Then there very clearly is security training and data protection. So these are the five areas I believe to focus on. Um, instead of going for complex topics like I built my security operation center to the next level. So really put focus on things that help mitigating the risks which are uh, implied with a changing work style. You've mentioned multi-factor authentication first. If I think of the persons I know who are not the tech people, many of them have not even yet activated their multi-factor authentication for the for the personal accounts they use on a daily basis. So they're, I don't know, Facebook or whatever they use. Um, how would multi-factor authentication look like in a in a working environment from home? Which would be the factors? Where where, where can we start? It basically starts with um, usually using the smartphone as a second factor by receiving pins. And it's usually a combination then of, uh, so you authenticate, um, you get a pin, and then a device fingerprint, as it is called, is taken from the device you are using. And then for a while, you don't need a second factor. Technically seen relatively easy and a number of platforms, specifically platforms which are in heavy use these days, such as Microsoft Teams or Google Cloud Platform, they support these technologies out of the box. Multi-factor really helps mitigating risks because just phishing a password is not sufficient anymore. It requires more than the password. So it makes life of attackers far, far more complex. However, what is really essential is 
before you activate such a feature in one of these platforms, which is easy to do for an admin, prepare your workforce first. Explain what will happen. Explain what they will need to do. And ensure that you have tested it with a number of systems because it will be not the standard work environment. It will be the work from home environment, which might look somewhat different from user to user specifically when they bring their own devices. Right. So the good thing is that you don't have to roll out any hardware devices being used as, as, as a second factor as you had to do, say, 15 years ago. But um, people have to understand that their phone that they actually already trust could be or will be their second factor. And they need to understand how to use it. They need guidance on that, which is, as I've said, not really super complex. Um, but inform first, explain first, then activate. And that is one of the things. Um, but I think, you know, users are really capable of doing a lot of things. That is what I feel, for instance, about a second aspect, endpoint protection. Every user easily can check the status of a system. I know it well for, for Windows. You might know it better for Apple. But for Windows, I just look for Windows Sicherheit or Windows Security, depending on the language. And I will find the standard box, which shows me the status. If everything is green, I'm done. If not, let them call the help desk. Right, exactly. So there, there, there is um, typically software either built in or um, at least to check the, the, the patching status of the of the machine. And there is um, lots of software available that can also do a, a scan on the machine. Uh, in Windows, it is built in. That's correct. Um, so really understanding what the actual current status of the platform that you're using is, is not that difficult. And it is, as you've mentioned, it is mandatory because at that moment that when you're working from home and you're using that device in communication with corporate systems, this system becomes a part of the corporate infrastructure, at least temporarily, and that needs to be protected. Otherwise, you end up with all the bad mechanisms like malware, like ransomware, um, are one step closer to your corporate data. Yeah, and I think for both aspects, one, one thing is super important in these days. Don't end up in esoteric discussions in your IT security department about, oh, maybe that smartphone is not secure enough or we would could have something better or shouldn't we go for that or that or that? Or is Windows Defender good enough as an anti-malware? Um, before you fail in deploying another um, anti-malware solution, better use what is built in. Rely on what you have, make best use out of that. Especially with the with the current sense of urgency because people just have to get going. Yes. And you can't walk to their desk easily like you could do at the office. So you must manage everything remotely. And so so there there's not a fallback of saying, okay, um, you've got a problem, I come to your office. Um, no, it doesn't work. Exactly. And again, that, that you've mentioned that as the fourth point, but actually I think that is very important. We, we've had it with the multi-factor authentication, the explain aspect, and we have it with the endpoint protection. Again, the explain aspect, I think the security training, taking your users by their hand and just guiding them to protecting the environment and to using it adequately. I think that is the, the, the main thing to achieve. 
Yeah, for sure, everyone does it regularly. So every business does it for years and regularly and in a very efficient manner. No, unfortunately not. That's the problem. Right. So still a lot of businesses um, lack doing a good security training. So I just published um, a video, I think in both German and English, uh, with a five-minute uh, essential security awareness training for the work-from-home users. And it's really what you should do. Keep it very simple, illustrate it, uh, do it positive, maybe with short videos, with simple explanations. Do it uh, occasionally, not too frequent, um, but really do it in a way where people understand from their daily work what to look at. The good thing is everyone is a computer user in his private life and a smartphone user in his private life as well. They have the same challenges with phishing and other stuff. So link it to their personal experience and keep it very lean. There are a few things where you just need to, to create awareness. Um, look at strange um, email addresses. Don't click links uh, without thinking. Don't open attachments without thinking and thinking and thinking and asking and better ask before you do something. But at the end, the most important rule anyway is use your good human sense as a computer user. Right, exactly. And, and if these explanations of this training is really uh, created in a, a, a step-up way of thinking. So to really start with the initial things that are required to get going, as you've mentioned, using multi-factor authentication, and based on that, really explaining what are the do's and don'ts once things are going, then that would be a good approach. So as you said, lean, not too often, but the things that have to um, be communicated first, do it first. You mentioned as a third item, if I remember correctly, patch management, um, how, how to convey the message to the end user that they have to do yes. the patch management adequately. The good thing is with most modern systems and most modern applications, you don't have to do that much. Um, some do it better, some do it um, not as good, but a lot is also, I would say, if it's a company-owned device, um, just activate. So anyway, even, even aside of work from home, um, it is a good idea to rely on auto automated patching because the risks nowadays of automated patching are lower than cybersecurity risk. I still know a couple of organizations which say, okay, we first um, test the patches before we roll them out. That might have been adequate some, some five or 10 years ago where more patches failed and the cybersecurity risks for zero-day attacks were considerably lower. But this has totally changed. And so it anyway makes sense to push out patches automatic there might go something wrong, but the risk is lower. Um, so the business should care for patching all their stuff, the virtual private networks if used, the applications, the servers. And for the endpoints, it depends on if it's a personal owned, a bring your own device, then obviously the user must look at it. Goes back to number two, check whether endpoint protection is enabled, check whether the Windows security settings are all green, uh, which also would include patch management. And then do it. Yes, you get your patches regularly. You might have to reboot your system every now and then. So for Microsoft, more or less once a week, uh, because then they bring their new set of patches. But that's it. And that is something which then runs in the background and where rarely something should go wrong. Yeah, and this is something that really just happened this morning to me because I, I went to my 
laptop which runs 24 hours and I could not um, unlock it with my finger. I had to re-log in because then afterwards it told me that it applied a crucial security update overnight. Uh, and that is exactly the, the, the way that things should happen. Not that they have to run 24 hours, but that they do uh, patch automatically. Okay, um, you've mentioned a fifth point, and I think that is data protection. And I, I think that is a, that's a huge topic, actually, when it comes to protecting sensitive data, especially on a, on a potentially insecure device like a personally owned PC. Yeah, and in the context of security training, I already said, be careful with attachments. And it's not a good idea uh, with work from home and with bring your own device to send around attachments. There are better ways to do it. So uh, a couple of players, including Microsoft's team, offer a free use for a certain period of such platforms if you not already have it. Go for such platforms where you can relatively secure, collaborate, and share information. Because you could have multi-factor authentication, you could, can have some level of access control, collaboration rooms to whatever, and then you work on that platform. And yes, there are, it always can be some questions, but again, um, focus and balance risks. So what is the bigger risk? Is the bigger risk using a established cloud platform, which is used by many organizations where I know organizations in the critical industry even using these platforms? Or is the bigger risk saying, oh, that might be insecure and I continue sending file attachments around? I think the answer is so apparent. Don't send files, use collaboration platforms. And there are some high secure platforms available as well, which you get as a cloud service, which are used, for instance, uh, more in the finance industry space and and for, for secure data rooms. If you say it's really so super sensitive, check out these exactly and, and um, i know there are dangers or threats that come with the browser itself but once you are using a platform like this you have an abstraction layer between your own machine and the actual document that you're working with and that is the browser so there is a a, a real disconnect between the actual document and its potential dangers uh, and your actual machine i think that is a good way to go and many should look at that and that is one of the things so there are things businesses should do for cybersecurity, but don't go over the top. Don't do the big things now. Focus. You can, in parallel, start planning of how do you do it better uh, for the next crisis? How do you prepare for the future? But that should be for the bigger steps. That should be planning and concepts and architectures where we surely help you. Uh, we can advise you, but don't try to implement complex things which might disrupt the work of the users. Now, you can't afford that happening. Exactly. So thank you very much, Martin. Just to sum it up, we mentioned today the first steps for cybersecurity for enterprises in the age of working from home. And we've proposed four individual steps to look at. It starts with multi-factor authentication. Look at endpoint protection. Think of your patch management. Think of your security training for your end users and implement strong data protection, but in a reasonable way, in a risk-based approach. So that's the summary for today. I'm looking forward to having you in another episode of this podcast. Thank you very much, Martin. And thank you very much for your time and listening. Thank you to all uh, people listening to this podcast. And thank you, Matthias. Thank you. Thank you.